Welcome to See It Our Way, a student-run podcast from the Foundation for Blind Children's Adult Services Comprehensive Program, located in Phoenix, Arizona. Our goal is for listeners to see it our way and learn about journeys through life with low vision and blindness. This podcast hopes to raise awareness and help listeners understand how we go about our daily lives during and after vision loss. You will hear stories of hope and perseverance, creating a conversation about how life with vision loss is not worse, just different. Welcome to See It Our Way. I'm Matthew Bullis. The students here with me today, we're all here in person, and we have a project we've all been working hard on. Let's have everyone introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Kelly. And you're a student in this program. Yes, I am. For how many months? I would say maybe two to three months. Hi, my name is Athena. And your time in this program? Four months. Okay. Hi, my name is Mary Beth. Yep. I am the ADL instructor. Right. You've been on here before talking about the health care. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to introduce myself. No, no, that's fine. No, you can. Sure. We're just, you're here. Yes. So. yes. <laughs> Again. You're a part of this. And I have your, spoken on the podcast <laughs> before. To your right. I'm Jim Macklin. I have been a student here at FBC since January, which is about seven, eight months now. I'm really happy that we're able to have, uh, to be back in person here. So our guest is coming over Teams from another part of town, Phil Pangrazio, who's a former CEO of Ability360. And these students in this group have worked on this project for over a month, trying to formulate the questions they wanted to say and the things they wanted to know about Ability360. Phil, if you could start by telling us where Ability360 is located in the valley. Okay, thank you. So we have several locations, but our main location is at 50th Street in Washington. 5025 East Washington, sort of on the Tempe Phoenix border. And for those of you who have been there, it's a multi-tenant disability services campus. So there are around nine other nonprofit organizations in addition to us that are co-located at the Ability360 Center. So it's not just us. And then there's also the Ability360 Sports and Fitness Center that's on that same campus. Its address is 5031 East Washington. So, but that's our main office. And then we have an office in Glendale, an office in Gilbert, one in Coolidge, Tucson in Pima County, co-located inside the Center for Independent Living, which is called Direct. I think that is it for our office locations. Some of those outside locations like Glendale and Gilbert and Coolidge and Tucson predominantly are used to uh, operate our non-medical personal assistance services program. We call it home care these days because people understand caregivers and things like that. But mostly um, those outlying offices are for operating that particular program uh, where we employ the personal care attendants. Okay, thank you for that information. So as a part of this collaborative project, the students in the room have divided up some of the questions. So Jim starts us off with some questions for you. Right, hi Phil. What was your specific role with Ability360? Well, you know, as the CEO or the chief executive officer, my role is kind of multifaceted in a lot of ways. I'm probably the uh, chief complaint department. Mostly, that seems to be the what typically happens. You have to make a lot of decisions and a lot of things are happening. Some days are slower than others and other days are packed full of uh, 
juicy, exciting things, I guess. Right. But, you know, CEO has to, you know, handle things like personnel issues, resource development or, you know, fundraising, fund development kind of activities. Uh, relationships with our board of directors, because as a nonprofit, you know, we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. So we're governed by a board of directors who are the people I, you know, the CEO reports to, you know, they're the ones that actually hired me and they are the ones that would fire me, uh, you know, if that was, you know, so, so you have relationships with your board of directors, certainly overseeing lots of different pieces of the operation whether it's facilities management or grants management financial management you know you're kind of having your toe dipped in the water of just about all of those things of course at ability 360 we're a a pretty good size not-for-profit organization you know we had upwards of six or seven senior uh, members of the leadership team there that we dubbed them the term like vice president since i was the president and ceo they are the vice president and of whatever program it would have been so you know whether it's advocacy or community integration the home care program uh, the sports and fitness center uh, vice president of finance vice president of marketing i all those people would report to me and of course you're kind of managing those people and the programs that they are directly responsible for so your toes are dipped in all those different activities and things pretty much on a daily basis so so looking back what education or life experiences prepared you for that specific role um that's a really good question (laughs) you know I never would have dreamed that I would have found myself in this role growing up as a young person, a teenager, and coming from a rural community in western New York. I probably wouldn't have dreamed of that this is what I would have aspired to to some extent or ascended to or ended up doing. But it took a lot of work and development and skill building. You know, I went to college, I got my bachelor's degree, I got a master's degree. During and after my master's degree, which was in uh, health services administration and policy from Arizona State University, I did an internship at Good Samaritan Hospital, I did an internship at St. Joseph's Hospital and Medical Center. Uh, Then I did a residency actually over at Maricopa County Access Eligibility Department within the County Department of Health Services. And then about a year later, I ended up over at the Maricopa Medical Center. So that's kind of where I cut my teeth, working in administration, getting exposed to top-level management, learning more about what a chief executive does and what other members of a, an executive team do, and learning about finance and accounting and all those kind of things. So from about 1989 through all through the 1990s, that's where I was and that's where I was cutting my teeth Hmm. as a younger person in that world. So that was the training ground I had and um, (laughs) without it, I would never have been ready and capable of uh, taking on the responsibilities I ended up taking on when I became the CEO at Ability360. Right. 
Yeah. Was uh, was New York too cold for you and you came out here? That's the same with me. <laughs> I grew up in Syracuse. Yeah, well, you know, it was. And, of course, you know, I had a, I, you know, my disability is a spinal cord injury. You know, I had an automobile accident when I was 19 years old. So I broke my neck, became a quadriplegic. I used a wheelchair for mobility and have done that for the last 42 years uh, mm-hmm. since uh, my disability and when I was a teenager and I did not have a disability, I would never have even thought about it's cold, it's snowy, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean it's, a part, it's a part of life, you know, you right. grew up with it. But once I had my disability, they, I had to get out of Western New York. It, the weather was not a good place for a guy in a wheelchair. Right. So I was going to ask you, like, what motivated you? for this position or what to do this and it sounds like it, uh, you already kind of answered that but if you want to go into that a little bit more that's interesting in the early 90s when i was just starting my career after getting my master's degree someone had recommended that i join the board of directors at ability 360 you now at the time it was called able or arizona bridge to independent living a lot of people knew it by back then and i was elected to their board of directors in 1991. I served on the board until I became the executive director or the CEO in April of 2000. So, you know, I think it was that introduction to the independent living movement, the disability rights movement, which I really hadn't been that involved with. My disability occurred in 1979 and throughout the 80s, you know, I really wasn't that connected to the disability rights community or independent living movement or anything like that. So, but being on the board through the nineties gave me the exposure to what was going on. And I think that was the motivation and the inspiration to eventually apply for the job. And they, they were, they were dumb enough to hire me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for all that information. Uh, We'd like to know a little more about who you are because we covered some of that, but we also want to talk about the programs that Ability360 offers, so Mary Beth? Yeah, um, so as it was just said, I know you kind of already touched on this, but I'm going to give you a chance to expound on this. What types of services does Ability360 have to offer? There's quite a few of them. We don't do everything, but there are quite a few different services. In our community integration unit, Uh, We do home accessibility modifications, like modifying a bathroom or putting a ramp on a house or widening a door or something like that. For people who are low income, those are contracts with several city governments uh, through what is called CDBG grants, community development block grants. Those dollars have really dried up in the last 20 years, but we still do have those contracts. But on top of it, we have a home modification contract with Mercy Care, which is uh, the managed care company, one of them that operates in the state of Arizona, providing services to both the uh, the long-term care population, elderly and physically disabled and uh, developmentally, intellectually disabled individuals. So that's another funder to do home modifications. We try to help people get out of nursing homes uh, if we can. Uh, We have some staff that will connect with individuals that are good candidates or interested in possibly reintegrating back into the community from a nursing home. Uh, We have an early intervention program in the rehab hospitals in the Valley where the staff person actually goes into rehab hospitals and 
visits with patients right at the bedside, essentially, and provides counseling and uh, information referral, basically, at that early stage of disability when Mm -hmm. folks are really struggling and trying to figure out what their future is. Um, As you can imagine, during COVID, we're not doing a lot of that right now. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of stuff we're not doing as in-person as we used to. Um, We are doing a lot more virtual kinds of stuff like everybody else. We have a, a peer support program where we actually train people with disabilities to be peer mentors for other people with disabilities, oh, that's really um, needed. which, is, yeah. which nice. is a core service that all Centers for Independent Living do, and it's a mandate of our service. Um, certainly, we do a lot of advocacy and work at the legislature and anything disability-related that involves public policy matters from a legislative perspective. You know, it's probably the most important thing we do in a lot of ways to be kind of at the forefront of anything uh, disability public policy related. We've had a youth transitioning into adulthood program for a long, long time that we've been offering. Uh, Some of that is done in the school districts, actually working with parents and teachers and students, assisting them and offering uh, life skills in that classroom setting. Uh, but we're, we're expanding on that more recently. There'll be more coming soon publicly about some of the things that we're going to be doing with youth transitions. Specifically, we got a contract with Vocational Rehabilitation and Rehab Services Administration to do pre-employment transition services. So that'll be a new program and there's a very specific curriculum around life skills and employment and job readiness and work experience and all those things that we will begin marketing soon and offering to people who are eligible, those folks that would be eligible through the vocational rehabilitation program. So that's a brand new offering then? It's not been done before? It is a brand new offering. The contract was just awarded in August of this year. Oh, so, so, we, so we have the exclusive so, on it then, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You got the inside scoop on it. That's, yep. I'm shamelessly plugging it. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> we definitely want parents and families and young adults uh, with disabilities to know about that program that, and reach out to us. We've developed some great curriculum around it, and we hope it will be taken advantage of. Let me think, what else? Uh, We're an employment network under the Ticket to Work and Work Incentives Improvement Act. So people who who, um, were on Social Security disability uh, that want to work and want to try to return to work and become financially independent and self-sufficient through working, they can come to us for job kinds of uh, assistance and even job placement and Mm -hmm. finding employers that are interested in hiring people with disabilities. So our employment network also is available to folks looking for work. The thing that a lot of people really know us for is the home care program. We provide uh, non-medical personal assistance services to people uh, who are on the Altex program, the Arizona Long-Term Care System, either that have a you know, elderly or physical disability, or through the Division of Developmental Disabilities. We employ about um, 1,600 home care workers that actually go into somebody's home and 
and help them with their daily independent living needs. But again, it's all non-medical. It's not like nursing services or skilled nursing or any of that kind of stuff. It is folks that, you know, we train uh, to be able to do that kind of work and they provide assistance for folks to, so they can, again, live as independently as possible and be stay in the community and and hopefully not have to go into you know something like a nursing home so and then of course the sports and fitness center is another big program that we operate we have a 45,000 square foot sports and fitness center that has two basketball courts has a pools it has three pools thank you um it's Mm -hmm. got a a lap pool a, a therapy pool and a jacuzzi pool uh, it has a fitness center upstairs. There's, I think, three or 4,000 square feet of wow. fitness equipment. There's a group exercise room. We have a lot of staff that can provide lots of assistance uh, with, you know, personal training and, and those kind of things. And certainly the sports programs that are available that people can take advantage of that we uh, facilitate in some ways and lots of different offerings. There's usually something on our campus for everyone, depending on what your disability is. Sounds like it. Thank you so much for that information. It sounds like you guys really got a lot going on. So what is the process of becoming a member of Ability360? If someone were to want to take advantage of one or more of the services that Ability has to offer? Well, you wouldn't become a member necessarily. We're not a membership organization. I say that with one caveat. The Sports and Fitness Center is membership-based. So for that particular program, there is a membership piece to it. And that would just be a matter of, you'd call the, the reception area and they would explain to you how that works. I would tell anybody, if you wanna learn more about what Ability360 has to offer, just call the main number 602-256-2245. Depending on what your interests are and what you're looking for, our receptionist would direct you to the right person. In terms of our programs, they're all different. So some of the programs have some eligibility requirements. The home care program, for instance, you know, that is a Medicaid-funded where you have to be on Medicaid, you have to be on the Arizona long-term care system to get access to that program unless you choose to to pay privately for that service. The home modifications also, you know, you would be on the Altex program or you would be low income enough to be able to get a home mod funded through the community development block grant. Then there are other programs like our peer support, peer mentorship program, where there's no eligibility. Anybody, if you have a disability, no matter what your disability is, you could participate in our peer mentor program. We have social recreational programs. There's no membership requirement. If you have a disability and you want to participate in a social rec activity, just call us and we can let you know how you would get involved in that. Thank you so much for that information. I am going to turn it over to Athena to ask the next couple questions. If someone needs assistance with the enrollment process, who should they contact? The best person to ask for is, can I speak to the information and referral coordinator at Ability360? And the receptionist would direct you to that staff person. And that staff person will be the gatekeeper of all the different programs. 
Now, some individuals want to actually establish an independent living plan. If um, you wanted to become an active consumer where we manage your independent living plan, then there would be an intake for you and you would be asked a series of questions. You'd have to fill out an application and then our staff would work with you on what your personal goals are for independent living. And then that would be sort of an enrollment process, but that's about as close to the enrollment process as I would say that we really have. And our website, ability360.org, has a lot of this information. It has all the contact information for the office locations and the phone numbers. Our website is pretty accessible. We work very hard to make it accessible to people no matter what your disability is. So hopefully it will work for you. And if it doesn't, let us know. And, we, and, we'll, and we'll fix it. But our uh, team of people in the marketing department work really, really hard to make sure that our website is uh, fully accessible to people with all types of disabilities. Right. I've, I've been on the website and it's, it's very accessible, at least for the visually impaired. I, I appreciated that. It's a little overwhelming. It can be. It is, <laughs> yeah. A lot of information, right? There is a lot of information, yes. Okay, Athena? What transportation options do Ability360 members have? So we do offer some transportation. We have a couple vans. It's limited, though, because if things were typical, like, for instance, a social recreational program, we would offer some transportation to consumers that couldn't otherwise get to that program. Let's say it's cooking group. If you wanted to be involved in a, a monthly cooking group, you know, we would provide some transportation if you needed it. But it would be first come, first serve, and we can only take so many people because we only have a couple vans and we only have two van drivers. Now, outside of that, I would say explore what is available for public transit. We located the Ability360 Center on the light rail system intentionally because we wanted it to be as accessible to everybody as possible. So, you know, whether it's Dial-A-Ride, uh, the paratransit system that operates in some of the cities or using light rail, those are some really good options, as well as the uh, Valley Metro City of Phoenix bus system too is very accessible. So you can get to us on with any of those modes of transportation pretty easily. We also provide transportation training too. So if you've not ever used the public transit system and you want to learn how to use it so you could become more independent, you could ask us about that too because we do provide some training on using public transit. You kind of touched on this earlier. Does Ability360 have any partnerships like locally or nationally? Yeah, I mean, I think so much of what we do is all involves partnerships because we don't do anything truly alone. Our home care program is a partnership with the managed care companies, Mercy Care, Banner Health System, uh, United Health Care. Those partnerships are very important in our and and we we wouldn't be able to operate that program without it. Our home mod program again partnerships with Mercy Care and also the cities like City of Phoenix, 
um, city of Mesa, city of Tempe, Peoria. We've had some of the cities where we currently have home mod community development block grant funding or had in the past and maybe will again in the future. And I think also the other organizations that are co-located at the Ability360 Center, like Racing Special Kids, like the Arizona Center for Disability Law, like the Spinal Cord Injury Association, the Brain Injury Association, the MS Society, Arizona Autism United, all of those organizations that are co-located there, uh, we partner with them all the time. And we either host events together jointly, we advocate together, we uh, work on public policy issues together. So it's crucial. You can't do this work if you're not really closely aligned with other partners. Right. You aware of any national organizations that are similar to this one? Uh, We have listeners from other states as well, which we're happy about. Well, you know, there's literally hundreds of centers for independent living, you know, that are all across the country. So we're just one of, of many. You know, we're probably a little unique in some ways. We're bigger than most of them. Uh, We've been a little more innovative, maybe a little more entrepreneurial in some ways. So what we do and what we offer, the breadth and scope is maybe a little bit more than what you'll find in some other cities in the country, but there's still a lot of great centers for independent living that do great work. Depending on where you are, you should look and find out what is being offered in your community by a center for independent living. Because like I said, there's about 500 of them across the country. You have been with Ability360 since what year? April of 2000. 2000. So that's quite a long time. So in that 21... And nine nine years as a board member before that. Well, there you go. So in that 30 years, (laughs) roughly, (laughs) of being there, what do you feel that you were most proud of? Uh, You know, the obvious answer is developing the campus and putting that together and the partnerships with the other nonprofit organizations, getting funding for the Sports and Fitness Center. The Sports and Fitness Center was funded through the 2006 bond campaign at the city of Phoenix, and we got $5.3 million from the citizens of Phoenix to build the Sports and Fitness Center, as well as we had a private donor give a million and a half Virginia G. Piper Charitable Trust give us a million dollars. Uh, we had the Kresge Foundation give us a half a million dollars. Wow. Then a Napoleon Foundation gave us a quarter of a million dollars. So you talk about partnerships, those were incredible partnerships uh, to build the Sports and Fitness Center. Being able to create that campus for our disability community here in Phoenix and in, in Arizona so that people like you and me would have a place that we could access to get some great services that would help us live our lives more independently and be able to live as full and rich life as possible. So, I mean, because I knew it wasn't always that way. It wasn't that way when I first became disabled Mm -hmm. and there wasn't a whole lot around. And I know that I would have benefited from something like this had it been around you know in the late 70s and or and throughout the 80s and 90s and so that's what i feel most proud about i guess right 
Awesome. Thank you. I'm going to turn it back over to Matthew. Thank you for your time today, by the way. Is there anything that you'd like to touch on which we haven't covered today? <laughs> you never asked me about my wheelchair rugby career. <laughs> you know, I was hoping you would bring that up. <laughs> yes. I played wheelchair rugby for a long time. Eight, seventeen, eighteen years. Right. Wow. Wow. That's right. incredible. And I was oh and gosh. I did start playing. It's true that I did all that. Right. I'm joking that I wanna even bring this up, but I think <laughs> maybe the important part of it is I was thirty years old when I started playing wheelchair rugby. So I was already way past my prime, I mean, in many ways, I guess. Um, I mean, I was still pretty fit when I was 30, of course, but it's not the age where most people right. will pick exactly. up a sport and start right. playing. Especially it. rugby, next, right. For the next 16, 17, 18 years. So that was a great experience for me. And I can't say enough of how much I benefited by being involved in a disability-related sport that did so much for me. So um, anyway, for what it's worth, I take a great amount of pride there you go. In, in that too. So Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Phil, for your time. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Thank you. You are welcome. Absolutely. Glad to be with you. Good luck to you all. Yes. And, uh, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you, you, Phil. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to See It Our Way, a podcast to help with awareness regarding blindness and low vision. Please click like and subscribe to follow our journey and connect with us through our website, www.seeitourway.org slash FBC podcast and through all of our social media channels.